0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptops, and you listen to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Last night, so much fun at the Vox and Hops Thursday, Thursday virtual hang. I always really look forward to these hangs, and last night was no exception. Huge shout out to all you Vox and Hops heads, some of the Vox and Hops alumni that came out last night. It was lots of fun, lots of people, lots of good stories, lots of good laughs. I have posted in the description of this podcast next Thursday's virtual hang copy it be there grab a craft beer invite your friends it's always lots of fun today i am back with john keevil the vocalist of warbringer it is great to have john back on the podcast they dropped an incredible album today called weapons of tomorrow via napalm records you should check it out but first here is vox and hops episode number 133 with john keevil
0: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I'm very lucky to be back with John Keevil from Warbringer. Super stoked to be back with you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to come back onto Vox and Hops. This time, sadly, we're not together because uh, with everything happening with COVID-19, we all got to stay home, but I'm really happy to have this conversation with you via the internet so how are you john
0: doing uh quite wonderful you know the the situation in the world is pretty sketchy but as far as it's played out in my personal life it's been rather nice i've been camping in my house with my uh wife and my cats and we've been taking the time to cook up a storm basically
1: same same i, I find myself just scouring the internet trying to, to make better recipes of, of things that i miss that i can't go by
0: it's true uh yeah i did mushroom risotto the other day uh Yesterday, we just did mac and cheese, you know, not every day, but uh, pretty much like two out of three days. We're, we're doing some big uh, product we, we figured out how to make a deep dish pizza in our cast iron skillet at home here. It turned out pretty good. It was an experiment. It turned out pretty good.
1: That's pretty badass. That's That's really awesome. I'm actually making mac and cheese tonight, funnily enough. Well,
0: the, you know, are you doing the, the, like, box kind? That's what I did. I did the box kind the other day. But the, then there's, like, actually making mac and cheese, which is a whole different thing.
1: We are actually making mac and cheese, but I'm a vegan, so we're doing a, a cashew-based uh, cheese sauce for it. I just, uh, my wife just soaked the cashews for it, so.
0: Oh, dude, we're uh, we're a huge fan of cashews. We, we'll do these smoothies where, like, my, my wife will do these smoothies where she'll, like, soak a bunch of cashews overnight. And we'll use that as, like, the base of whatever she's doing for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely delicious.
0: Fuck yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, dude.
1: How uh, you? You mentioned that you're, you're camping out. Uh, I like to touch on uh, COVID a little bit during these interviews because uh, we're all at home because of it. Uh, how did you approach COVID when it first hit? Were you someone that believed everything, or were you a bit not totally convinced? <coughs>
0: I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Matt, it's a, it's a Democrat hoax, and all they're trying to do is make sure I don't win the next election. That's what they're doing here, and it, it, I won't <laughs> let anyone convince me otherwise. No, I, I took it pretty seriously, you know. Uh, it's a world pandemic, uh I, I kind of early on it was very much, well, it's kinda like the flu and, you know, it it might not be that serious and you know how people are jumpy. But uh at the same time I'm I'm the guy here thinking, well the last major pandemic that actually killed a shitload of people in the world, uh, you know, on like a global catastrophe scale was the flu. It was the Spanish flu, you know. So I just uh, you know, with my head permanently stuck in uh great war era history I, I immediately go there and I'm thinking well that sounds like a big deal <laughs> so I kind of thought it was going to be a big deal from the get go I didn't expect it to be as it is I think I might have expected the global response to be a little better but as we all know it's uh, it's been kind of a shit show I was enviously reading a headline the other day that said like Angela Merkel thanks compliant Germans and says this is going to last till like the end of April <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> holy shit yeah um, that's also something I want to touch on when do you think this is all going to go back to normal and what will be the new normal
0: well shit, you're, inter- you're interviewing John Keeble not Nostradamus but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if I want to put on my Nostradamus hat give it about two months um, honestly that's a thing that's I have to pretend to be Nostradamus a bit here because of the fact that we have to tour And in order to tour, we have to basically know when it's safe to actually schedule dates. We don't know that right now. Our album's coming out in uh, just under a month from today as we're having this conversation. And we already, not even canceled. We just didn't announce the tour that was going to be in, like, the beginning of May. Um, It never got announced. It got pushed back, as far as we're aware. And the booking agents are trying their best to save the whole thing. But... um, I think if you're a booking agent right now, your your uh, commentary on this would just sound something like, well, fuck me, because uh, what do you do? You have to kind of guess and wait for it to blow over. And I think that uh, just like the market in general, there's a ton of speculation because everyone knows whoever is able to kind of guess correctly. When the thing blows over and be the first one on the ground resuming normal economic activity, that there's going to be money in that if you can be the first to market, you know, Uh, because it kind of closed the market for a while. And that's something really unusual that we don't generally see. I'm trying to figure out when the market bottoms out so I can throw a grand or two into like Microsoft and Disney and stuff, Uh, I think. But then again, me and everyone else everyone else who's like read a book about this ever in their life you know um so i'm not at all unique in that way and i think that that's basically the anxiety that you see across the world when can we tour when we can we go back to normal life when will uh business resume and it's been weird to see the market go all green last week with these weird promises i do not think that that uh I, I think it's going to go back down again, basically, because uh, I don't think that they've actually addressed the situation.
1: I, I completely agree. It's definitely going to get darker before it gets brighter. For for everyone staying at home, the isolation is going to get to some people. <laughs> and for the economy, for sure. If if no one can work, if no one's out there buying stuff, uh, it's it's not going to go well. And uh, I do feel it for... for all of the touring musicians and their crew members, most and mostly the, the crew members, because those a lot of these crew members are just road dogs that are on tour all year long, jumping from band to band, and they can't even work at home at all. So that, the booking agents, all of them are just dancing through the shit show.
0: Dude, um, absolutely. And that's a really good thought I haven't thought about. It's just if you're dependent on an industry like touring that by its very nature requires groups of people to get together you're out of luck right now and it's true a lot of the uh the same crew people you and i have probably both had them on different tours oh this guy doing sound for such and such so and so doing merch for them these guys that are lifers for it uh guys and gals i should say um they really depend on the fact that they can basically always be on tour because there's always demand for skilled tour and uh, for skilled touring personnel. And we bands depend on the existing pool of those people so that we can actually have really professional, good personnel on our tours. Uh, so that kind of symbiosis there is being disrupted, I guess, is uh, what you called attention to.
1: And I don't know when it's going to go back to normal. Even if you're the first person that says they, they say they lift everything, they say that we can start gathering in large groups again. Are people even going to feel comfortable and trusting enough to go out and get into these crowds again? I would hope so. As, as a touring artist, I would want that to happen. But I have my feelings that people are going to be afraid for a lot longer than people are imagining.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, to see kind of the psychological impact, I, I think the psychological impact is even bigger than the actual impact. And that's not to downplay the actual impact. You know, the actual impact is big. But the psychological impact is even greater. That's kind of my take on this, because uh, if you look at the numbers of transmission and deaths, it's substantial. It's not, uh, but you can't couldn't like line it up against other like historic world crises. That's a good thing. Some people in government or whatever are like poo buying that and being like, oh, the death toll's not that high. You know, well, that's well and fine unless you're the one. You know, <laughs> so so uh, I I would discourage anyone from thinking with that kind of a uh, compassionless line of thinking you know the economy isn't really as a, and like business as usual isn't really as important as uh, a fair number of people's lives and that seems to be the decision they're weighing at the moment uh, but i do think that the kind of shake up and everyone uh, and the wake up that people are getting hey the the system that you've been living in your whole life that you take for granted, it's a lot more fragile than you think. That's the thing that this really is exposing. Uh, And it also seems, oddly enough, that sort of right after, uh, you know, here, political opinion, right after Sanders uh, kind of gets killed in Super Tuesday in the Democratic primaries, we get this health crisis that really shows us, hey, we should have been running a candidate like Sanders. That's my opinion on that, Uh, just to drive the irony home, you know uh i'm an atheist but if i were to argue for the existence of god i would make the argument that things events have a certain irony to them as if someone who just has a really cynical sense of humor is planning it yeah if i had to make the argument that's how i would make it
1: (laughs) it is a sort of good timing that trump's up for re-election this year and all of this is happening and he's trying to be the one that's going to save everyone or save the economy save everything it's 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 the timing is a bit eerie
0: uh yeah though i would point out that a lot of stuff does happen by coincidences people like to think that everything's planned remember uh remember the 9-11 was an inside job theories remember that so I don't imagine—I I don't actually think that's true. What I do think is probably true, though, there's uh, there's this film Vice that portray—and and I'm making an analogy here. Uh, there's this film Vice that showed—it was about Dick Cheney, okay? And uh, they had Christian Bale playing him. He did a wonderful job, I thought. It's all zany and snarky at times, but uh, the film had this bit where, when Dick Cheney sees the towers go up in flames, it's not like he had planned for it. But when he sees it, he like freezes up and starts like wringing his hands together and like just staring at it without blinking. And it, that's kind of what I imagine happened, where where people see this and they think of all the plans they already had and they go, this is the opportunity. Uh, You can really make the most change to things when things are disrupted. If you have a functional system where things are basically working, it's going to be harder to push through serious change. Most revolutions and such happen when there's some big crack in the system they don't just happen if things are functioning properly
1: vox and hops is all about hanging out with metal dudes drinking some craft beer last time we were together we had a boreal in which is basically the rock star of uh, vox and hops i've had it so many times because it's available everywhere fantastic what did you you went out and you braved the world to pick up some craft beer to be on this so a huge thank you for doing that you didn't have to you could have just drank whatever you had so what what do you have on your side there john
0: Well, I couldn't have drank whatever I had because I didn't have a single beer in the house. I had a couple bottles of wine, which uh, I prefer beer, so it it would have been a bad deal for me. Um, But I got uh, Stone Brewery. I went uh, to Total Wine, which apparently is an essential business. I was not able to walk into Best Buy where uh, where I didn't buy this headset. I got this one at Target, but I needed this headset to do the interview. I was not able to walk inside Best Buy. They're all, stand- all the employees are standing on the curb. It looks like it sucks more to work at Best Buy now than usual, which is saying something, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> but Total Wine, I could walk right into Total Wine and browse their entire selection, and I found a Stone Ghost Hammer IPA. Now, I'm familiar with the Stone brand. I haven't tried this particular one. I generally like them. This one's pretty good. It's sort of a no-frills, uh, hazy IPA. It's not fruity or anything. It's about 6.7, so right in the range. I like that 6.7 range for IPAs. And I actually got fancy with this one, can comment on the beer in detail, Matt is saying. So uh, I, I've been drinking this over the past couple days. We we're supposed to do this interview on Friday. It's now Sunday. And so I've been, you know, now I'm down to six of six. Uh, I paired it with dried apricots because I was snacking some dried apricots when I cracked the first one open. And hey, that's a really good pairing. I think uh, I think a standard, like just a, a not too piney, soapy IPA, which is what this is, uh, with any kind of fruit like that is a really nice pairing. It goes well. I can't say why, but it does. Uh, and then I also used it in lieu of white wine to make a mushroom risotto, which turned out great. You know, and I have the time to sit over the pan stirring the risotto for 40 minutes thanks to quarantine. So, uh, you know, and just kind of take, I always, every time I'm cooking with beer, I'll take the thing and I'll sort of intermittently pour some in, even if I don't really need to. There's something kind of zen about just like pouring beer on sizzling food.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. That's amazing. That's the first time that someone on Vox and Hops has a pairing for me. So, so huge shout out to you, John. Over 120 people I've spoken to, and you're the first one to do that. So thank you so, so much. And uh, just to touch (laughs) on, last Friday we were supposed to do this interview, but as we are working from home, um, our interview didn't happen exactly as we wanted it to do. And my wife had her own conference call, and we share the computer. So we ran out of time for ourselves, and I didn't want to rush you, so we rescheduled for today, and I'm happy that that happened. Hey. On my side, I'm drinking the New England IPA from Le Castal Brewing Company. It is an absolutely phenomenal beer. I also went out yesterday to go pick up some brews, and the liquor store was very, very strict rules. They had people standing at the front uh, welcoming you in, as you walked in, asking you uh, if you had been traveling, if you're sick. They make you wash your hands, and then they have lines all over the floor to separate us by two meters. It was um, uh, It's all these uh, preventative measures that should have been in place probably like, like, like two weeks ago, but uh, at least they're in place now. I'm going to crack it open and see what the suckers got. Hell yeah. It pours out uh, nice and hazy. Uh, absolutely perfect uh, Le Castel is one of those breweries that uh, will dump entire batches of their product if it's not, not up to par so uh, they have done that with this particular beer in the past they they announced that they were going to distribute it and then they just said no it turned and we're just going to scrap the whole batch uh, so like a good artist should do if you're not proud of your product just move on to the next one and swallow the failure <laughs> cheers, <John. laughs> cheers
0: cheers damn right to that <laughs> yes. Oh, that does look nice. I actually get to see you, you know. You you have no idea how shitty I look right now. <laughs> I, I'm fine.
1: I even put on pants for you.
0: <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, these, like, gym pants, three days running right now. <laughs> probably about time <laughs> to retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Disgusting. I, I could have just pretended I'm very well-dressed, but I didn't. There you go. Honest, there's a true artist right there. And hey, aren't we glad that these beers meet the refined palates of thrash and death metal singers? You know, my commentary would go something like "yeah," and I think yours <laughs> might read like "ooh," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, is, which is, of course, a stellar two thumbs up review, as as anyone should know. <laughs> uh,
1: how are you handling uh, your quarantine? You mentioned that you're, you're cooking a lot. Are you someone that likes to be out and around people? I personally like being home i it doesn't bother me whatsoever my wife's a bit going a bit more stir crazy how are you handling this
0: uh basically what you said sounds exactly like the situation here uh my wife's very active and is usually the one bringing me out to actually do things uh here i'll compare notes on this with you i used to be before years of touring i used to be a way more like go out and see people guy and i think touring just kind of beat it out of me like uh when i'm on tour i like to talk to everybody but it's like that aspect of my being is very compartmentalized into the touring mode uh and that when i'm at home i pretty much like my wife will be like call your mom you know i have to like get i have to be like reminded to not drop off the face of the earth with basic people in my life so uh quarantine comes naturally to me i guess uh I've been playing the new uh, the new. my brother got uh, the new Doom game on Steam and I remember classic Doom and man the new one they did it's everything you could want as a fan of that you know you just non-stop brutal killing it puts me on edge I'm sitting here with my headphones and, and like slaying demons and wondering <laughs> if one's going to pop out of the corner and off and aw- and me and my wife just loves it because she can creep up behind me and basically make any sound or just touch me at all and I'll jump you know because I'm in like a heart pounding frenzy of brutal demon killing you know um but that's been just fantastic normally i favor more strategy games and stuff but uh doom you know classic i gotta i had to check that one out and i've been enjoying the hell out of it uh drank the rest of these beers doing that actually
1: (laughs) i miss video games i i just don't have the time for it anymore with the podcast with the kids with work and the band and i had to cut out certain of my passions and video games were sadly a victim of that video game and actually hockey i used to be such an avid habs fan because i'm from montreal i would just watch every game even if they sucked and for seasons (laughs) i watched every game but now i i i don't i don't even think i've watched a game this year and now obviously it's finished so
0: yeah and then then you go and watch a game a game and you'll start to like feel things that once were and you're like i don't even want to do this you know (laughs) I, i imagine i imagine it'll be similar for me um I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be uh, going, after this album cycle, I'm probably going to be going for my master's, and uh, then I'm going to, you know, I've, I've my bachelor's like right before we recorded this album, um, and a little, a few months before I talked to you last, uh, so I'm kind of sitting around, not doing anything on that front for the time being, but after we tour for the album, I'll be going for my master's, and at some point in the next few years, you know, I'm thirty three, my wife and I'll probably be looking into having kids in the not that distant future. So I have to put ducks in a row for that. So some of my like ability you know, this quarantine might be my last hurrah for like serious dude chilling time, you know. And I I'll make the most out of it. Um life calls, you have to deal with it. I've uh I've managed to do a good job of being able to hold on to my silly little passions like video games and heavy metal for as long as I have, you know, if I have to cut one, it won't be heavy metal though. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm
1: fucking right, no way. I, I this all the time. I put on metal here every Friday. I'm always avidly researching what came out and I listen to it. My kids love it. So there's no, there's no, there's no. That's such a a, a fallacy that little kids are, are afraid of metal music and stuff. It's it's they it, they get used to what they're exposed to. So.
0: Yeah, I've never heard that one, actually, before. I thought, uh, you know, usually one thing you'll hear about metal uh, that's a critique that I would disagree with, but uh, there's something too, is that uh, metal's basically music for teenage boys. It's like I was a teenage boy when I got into metal, no lying there, late teenager, but still, um, in my case anyway. But I really disagree because I think, like, people that say that then would be like, I'm just thinking, look at the instrumentation, you know? You're not even willing to, like, look at the instrumentation of metal in general and all the width of what that represents, uh, where very often there'll be, like, a single riff in a song I like that's got more to it than an entire song that's on the radio, you know, when you add all the elements that are there. And so... That kind of uh, musicianship and artistry is why I'm still like, yeah, I, I could be into this when I'm 60. You know, there's it's like there's actual content there. It's uh, it's not just some nonsense. I firmly believe that. So I I wonder though, it, it is a speculative thing in my case. But when I have kids, are they gonna rebel against their dad's old folky heavy metal? You know, me going like you know like judas priest was so important for like defining the 80s sound of heavy metal and then iron maiden brought it towards power metal in this way and on the other end you have like venom and slayer leading us towards the extreme and the evil and then you could follow those threads into black and death and you know so i could i be like putting on like pestilence or something and my kids are like dad you're so freaking old you know, and Van Der like, you know, and, and, and like they're like, that's lame, Dad. Where's the synths? Where's the? <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> it, it, <it's>, it <laughs>
1: we we talk about this in Cryptopsy, actually. Me and Chris Donaldson. And I mentioned it just in a previous episode that I, I just uh, recorded a few days ago that we're, we're afraid that, that Chris, my guitarist, wants to play just rap in the house even though he doesn't listen to it so that when his kid is an, a teenager he will rebel and become a metalhead.
0: <laughs> D- reverse psychology, man. <laughs> you get a, Yeah, it, you have to like... Dude, if, if you're like playing the long game on that, you could develop the lamest dad commentary on rap it wouldn't be hard to do you know like a uh, old white dad commenting on why the rap he likes is the best and you gotta know this one you know oh man that would be so easy for a kid to roll their eyes to <laughs> you, you could so it would work man I think your scheme to form a uh, rebellion would work until they like find out oh wait dad actually played death metal shit
1: <laughs> let's touch on the new record because that's uh, why we're doing this
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that thing.
1: Apart from just hanging <laughs> out, let's yeah. do our, due, our let's do our due diligence uh, for uh, <laughs> for Napalm. Fair.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I gotta tell you, um, talking about the record has been like the one thing I have done a lot of during quarantine. We got this thing coming out, and I'm at home 24 seven. So Napalm's like here, here's the phone book. How about you talk to all of them about the new record? And it's great. <laughs> so that's been keeping me entertained and probably from going stir crazy because I, I fucking love this record and I'm proud as hell of it.
1: What did you uh, do differently than on previous records for yourself on this, either lyrically or your performance, or do you always approach everything the same?
0: Um, I wouldn't say I've approached it all the same, but I approached this one very similarly to the last one, Whoa, to the vanquished, And I think the band kind of has a 2.0 phase since then where we kind of uh, for those that know the band's history we had sort of we were going to disintegrate and not exist anymore after we lost a lot of key members on the fourth record Empire's Collapse Uh, John Locks who's the guy I started the band with the guy I learned how to write a song with in the first place left and I had never in my life written any music without working with this specific dude and so I was like I can't do this um a couple years later and you know some push from the fans actually and uh reconnecting with carlos and adam uh and we kind of were like we're going to do this again we're going to do it right here's how we're going to do it here's our ethos here's the mistakes we made in the past here's what we won't do etc we had this long conversation carlos and i sitting in a car actually in a parking lot for like two three hours and we went over the demos adam and i had made in the last year and that became the foundation for One of the vanquish so basically we've kept the ethos that this 2.0 lineup has which is where we're basically the songs are very serious it's all you know we don't like write anything silly or party feeling it's all grim it's all evil it's all serious you know uh that's one thing we chose in our ethos uh it's still gonna rock but like that's the that's what we're writing about you know uh then two basically is that we're gonna do a mixture of classic thrash metal that influences us as well as extreme so basically what we'll play something that we might call extreme thrash cause it's thrash metal with extreme metal influences all over it and it doesn't it's not black thrash or death thrash cause it doesn't really lean one way or the other it kinda goes into both equally um and then, I guess three is just a mindset in the band that everyone's gonna push their own craft as hard as possible, that we're gonna have standout performances on five instruments out of five, and uh, that we're gonna kind of just it, it sort of like fulfill the mission we set out to do in the first place. And so, in that way, my mindset hasn't changed a single bit. Um, that we're kind of we're still on the exact mindset we were for the last record. The difference is, we've been in it for longer, and we're better at it. That's my take on it, Uh, is that we're sort of like, if you imagine it as a path, we're further down the same path. I think a lot of the evolution of the band has been like this, where instead of changing from a thing to something else, we're like changing from a thing to a better version of that thing. Like, uh, you know, you get one model Porsche, and the one from five years later is going to be a little faster, you know? That's kinda how I see our evolution.
1: That's all about maturity too. Correct. A lot of people don't know this or think about this when you're not in the band world. But when you lose key members in a band and people get like pissed that they're not in the band anymore, they forget that we are mourning that they're not there as well.
0: Oh yeah. It hurts us the most. Like uh John Locks in particular was really hard to deal with not being there because I had to question myself in all these pretty deep and fundamental ways where I'm like, can I write a song without this guy? Was he all the creative talent? What what can I do uh, with just myself here? What I ended up doing is kind of, uh, to a large extent, Carlos Cruz stepped in and took the role in the creative partnership that John Locke did. And actually, I'm more able to get across some of my ideas now than I ever thought I would be. Um, Because the way we have our partnership and kind of the terms of it is basically if i have a song idea he'll do his damnedest to make it come to life as long as i give the same in return and so on this record uh he had a song called defiance of fate that was so out of the box for us instrumentally that he was like i don't even think this could be a warbringer song and i went and did that with him uh and my songs firepower kills and glorious end were entirely written on lyrics before without a single uh and so firepower kills i'm literally humming the riffs to him you know and he's having to figure out them out on guitar. So i'm straight up beavis and buttheading the riffs and that's the ones that are in the song they are the same ones that were in my head
1: that's badass
0: oh dude it's unique we actually made a little uh documentary about how we made the record that'll be out pretty soon we you know f- filmed it and everything uh it's like 45 minutes, but it's about how we wrote each song and uh, each one's kind of its own process. And I thought this aspect was really interesting so much so that we made that. Uh, and I, it's really fulfilling to me to be able to like this other guy. Cause I don't play an instrument. I'm good with words and I have the voice I have, and that's pretty much my set. Um, Carlos is this multi-instrumentalist who I think is incredibly talented you know I think everyone in my band is an incredibly talented musician I'm happy to have him there um it's very humbling in a way to me for that these guys who are all shredders are like yeah I'll listen to you the guy who doesn't play a guitar let's put your riff on here it's on song one of the album you know and it's like that kind of confidence in myself and my vision from the other members uh is really affirming and makes me want to give more and do more and uh, be better. So it's a, I think everyone kind of, in a very positive way, lights a fire under everyone else's ass. Like, we're rising to the occasion. We're rising to the challenge. We want to make, honestly, you know, this this might sound hubristic, but we want to make one of the great thrash metal records of all time. And I think that at six albums in, that I basically can't justify my existence unless I'm trying to do that. Yeah, so I, I really, uh, I'm proud of the way that we've been able to work. Uh, Glorious End was entirely a lyric idea where like three quarters of those lyrics were written without any music at all. And I showed Carlos clips from the movie Gallipoli for the theme of, you know, tragic, doomed heroism, the beginning and end of the father son connection thing that that song's got going on. And, uh, that was enough for him to get into the feeling and the vibe. Um, and I was really proud that I was able to work in this way.
1: One last question, something that I've been asking people, something I always wanted to ask and I always forgot to ask. What is your hangover cure?
0: Man, lately my cure for hangovers has been don't get hungover. Um, I almost would say that, yeah, that's really the best cure is just stay within your limits. Um, I, I, I'll, you know, and it depends how long, but I can, I'll drink like a whole six pack or something, I won't get a hangover. You know, so I don't. I generally just don't get them. That's really my cure. Is I stay within some. If I do, basically, uh, best thing I can imagine is a breakfast burrito. You know, something like egg, sausage, uh, just real potato. The potato is key. Um, <laughs> barring that, just anything with like fried breakfast potatoes and eggs. It, like that's kind of the number one thing I would say uh major grease absorbers and stomach filler uppers. Do that and you need to eat enough of it that you then take a nap. When you awaken from the nap, you're cured.
1: Wise words right there. Wise words. Don't get hungover and then you won't be hungover. And if you are some greasy food and a nap.
0: Hey, this isn't this isn't rocket science, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> You, you know, so uh, it's not like we're talking about when the global pandemic's going to end and what's going to happen to the market like we were. Uh, this one's pretty cut and dry, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when can people uh, hear some new music? You guys have dropped some singles. When does the album come out? I give everyone all that little spiel just to end this off.
0: All right. So uh, we the album Weapons of Tomorrow is out April 24th. Uh, check it out. It's a hell of a record. Uh, I think so. And we got uh, two singles out so far with a third on the way so the two that are out are Firepower Kills which, and uh, The Black Hand Reaches Out which has a music video uh, and we'll be putting out a third one, Glorious End uh, one of the ones I just talked about in, uh, in about a week
1: beautiful, John, thank you so so much for coming back on Vox and Hops super stoked to be with you again in person when you come through on tour or if I'm coming through your neck of the woods you come out and we're going to drink a beer together in person, do this right. Thank you so much, John. Cheers.
0: As is tradition. Cheers. Cheers, <laughs> brother. Cheers.
1: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the annual that I love and appreciate that. John, such a cool dude, such a great guy. Such a smart dude. Always fun to chat with him. I love having return guests on the podcast, but to be honest, I'm always slightly more nervous before I start recording them because I can't fall back on all my standard questions, so it's always a nice, challenging moment to have a return guest. Thank you, John, for giving me another shot and having another beer with me and having a chat with me. As I mentioned, Warbringer dropped a new album today, Weapons of Tomorrow. It is available on Napalm Records. You should go listen to it right now. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you sit back and relax a little bit. Uh, Times are tough. Things are crazy, but it's important to just uh, relax. Try to take things easy. Drink some craft beer and relax. I will be back next week with three episodes. I'm telling you right now, Monday's episode is a very, very big episode for me. I hope you guys will be as stoked as I am. But until then, I hope that you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hobbsheads.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the corner of Grey Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band, or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the
1: corner of Gray Street.